just feel like somebody's watching, watching me. me. And they're giving me STDs. <laughs> You're not a real man unless you got one of them. Got a collection going. All right. Let's get this bullshittity underway. Let's do it. So welcome to the podcast that's unnamed still. <laughs> we'll figure that out at a later date. Thank you. It's so great to be on. The podcast. The podcast. <laughs> um, so this is Jordan Tattoons, also non-professionally known as Jordan Grakowskis. Close. Grakowskis. Grakowskis. Yeah. Missed the S. I had Josh on. He was like, you forgot the reverend. <laughs> well, legally, <laughs> legally, I suppose that counts. So I was like, this is Josh Garrix. And he's like, you forgot the reverend and the Oshawa. <laughs> so, I caught, start all over. Yeah, I was like, start all right, all let's do it. that again. Okay, so now I'm messing everybody's names up here. Um, so I've been working with you for a couple years now. Well, how long have you been in the industry yourself? I believe I've been tattooing for 18 years. You're old, give or take. I'm very <laughs> old. I think I've been with you guys for like five, at least, at least maybe six. And I mean, we were shut down for 30 years of that during you know the whole pandemic thing. So you know, I think that put a couple of years on all of us. Put a lot of years <laughs> on a lot of us. Yeah. Um. So you you started you apprenticed under somebody. I did. You did. He who shall not be named. <laughs> no, I'll I, say it was a uh, John Pinfield Wells at Blackball Tattoo in Midland. You have to say the entire name and yeah. its entire. So the, like Reverend. <laughs> the Reverend. The <laughs> Reverend Jonathan Pinfield Wells. Yeah. Oshawa. English, English Johnny. I English say. Johnny. English yeah. Johnny. Yeah. He's all right. He's a cool guy. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. <laughs> um. So you did your apprenticeship with him. How long did you work there? at blackball with him i want to say that was at least two maybe three years and then you ended up venturing out on your own i ventured on my own and opened up my own shop in midland called american revolution tattoo i remember that because i designed a business card for electric chair unbeknownst to me like i didn't know that you had that same kind of logo thing going on i designed pretty much an identical business card to what you were using as your logo at the time and we ran with it and then steve big steve sharky steve big steve tattoos um he came up to me he's like you can't fucking use that i'm like why i totally made this in photoshop like i just cut a bunch of things together and right steve was like you can't use it that's exactly what jordan has as his logo i'm like what yeah my lawyers are going to reach out to your lawyer about that oh yeah yeah, yeah. well um i didn't even design it actually <laughs> jim remember gentleman jim from yeah way back in the day yeah he designed the logo for I, us. i think i still have some of his flash pieces laying around somewhere I think everyone has at least one piece of his flash well, sitting around somewhere when i worked down in indiana we had his flash in south bend when i worked for um uh point blank and um everybody was like hey you ever hear this gentleman jim guy i'm like Psh, bitch right. please right, <laughs> right. He, i worked with him for a year at blackball I wonder what he's up to these days. I heard he's still at the shop in Sanford. Oh, okay. Maybe I'll have to get him on the podcast. Yet, but 
on. He's an interesting fellow. Yes. 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 That will be hours of content for you. Awesome. I need it. Um, So, okay. So you did uh, the AMREV studio and you took on an apprentice during that time too, didn't you? Took on a few. Couple few. Couple few. Some made it, some did not. Um, One in particular, and she's awesome, our good friend, Angie Akimi. Yeah, Angie, I hope you're listening. I hope you're checking out the podcast and She's you'll amazing. come on. She's killing it right now at the studio. She, with, I am so proud of her. I am too. She's she's a great person. She's a fantastic artist. She has a very cool style. Very very unique cool style. And yet incredibly versatile. And I very can't take so. all the credit. Like she started at Black Ball when I was there, so I wasn't I wasn't like. Supreme mentor. Oh, so you stole her. So she got (laughs) let go. And then when I opened my shop, I gave her a call and brought her back into the fold. Okay. And then between myself, Fathead, who was a piercer, and then Denny Padgett, who was also a great tattooer, we all kind of just baby birded her and took her under our wing and got her up and going. Oh, you guys did a great job because she's killing it now these days yeah i tell every time like a mentor's like dream is to be outshined i've actually by the people they train so i'm oh yeah good on you boo i've actually said that same kind of thing you know where i want to see the student become the teacher and you know kick my ass because that's what you know that's what i feel is good for this industry is um leaving it better than you found it it should be you know so it can keep growing and actually you know, a quick little side note, this is a little out of date now because, you know, things happen on social media and the internet, and it's like yesterday's news already, you know, but the whole tattoo gate controversy and everything. <laughs> Did you hear that just like a, a week or two ago, um, H2Ocean reached out to that girl, and I don't have all the facts for this or anything yet, but H2Ocean sponsored that one client that had the really bad experience, they sponsored for her to get the tattoo that she really wanted. And she tried to insist that she didn't want anything for free or anything like that. But H2 Ocean wanted to set an example that not everything in the industry is like that. Wow. I mean, so kudos I thought that was, to them. Yeah, I thought that was really cool, you know? I've seen that a several times over the years in our industry where someone, this girl got a really bad portrait and it was like memed all over the internet for at least like a year or two years. And finally some super dope artist was just like, I'm sick of it. Like, <laughs> just come in. I'm not going to charge you. I will fix it. It's bad enough that you have a horrible tattoo. And now you're the butt of the internet's joke. Let me, right. Least... It was like one of those nailed it kind of memes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> it's like portrait of my mom that looks like tony danza that got hit by a truck yeah pretty much like one <laughs> eye is like three inches yeah. up on the forehead higher than it should be yeah. it's just bad what well, well, you, you can't you can't discriminate against portraits like that <laughs> i mean i can You'll you should canceled. know me by now i hate I everything and i'm not afraid to say i hate I know, everything i know that's why i was excited to have you on the show i'm like sweet yeah welcome to the negativity hour with yes. Gabe and jordan yeah. we're gonna get canceled pretty much I can't wait so, okay, um, moving on from, so how long did you have American Revolution for? I had it for just a little over five years. Okay. And I, I know that because my father's always like, if your business isn't sustainable at the five-year mark, it never will be. Therefore, you should just quit. 
So after the five-year mark, I was like, eh, this isn't working. For a myriad of, of many reasons, some official, some hypothetical, but it just wasn't working. It just wasn't the, wasn't the move. It was, it was one of those things where it's like my father helped me start the business, and we both sat down. We're like, here's what we're going to do. If you're going to open up something, it should be the best of the best. So we got a huge building. Everything was brand new, top of the line, yada, yada. Every tattoo booth was 13 by 13. Jeez. Like, you had room. We had, each one had its own sink. You had your own soap. You had, like, three sets of cabinets, 14 sets of drawers. Like, it was beautiful. It was all, the curtains were the hospital all liners right, Let's, do, let's do it again. <laughs> like, yeah, and it was just, like, sweet. So, but that's overhead. And then the right. building was huge. Like the so lobby, the lobby them. was about the size of the shop we're in now. Oh, wow. So like when I left, my monthly rent was over three grand. Wow. So you pretty much rented out like a Kmart. <laughs> it, was technically, it was behind Kmart. It was huge. And the landlord basically gutted out this huge building. He rented, he was really nice. He rented half to us. He put up a big wall. And then we actually designed everything, walls, separators, counters, everything. And so at first, my rent was really low to offset what we had to pay to build the building up. Right. But as the years went, it kept getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And then, yeah, by the time it was like three grand a month, we just weren't, we weren't bringing those numbers in. Gotcha. So when you were opening the shop, were you still working at Blackball or were you... You were putting pretty much all your eggs in the basket of getting your place open. It was all in those baskets. Okay. Because yeah. I left I left Black Ball under bad terms. So it wasn't like I could be like, hey, can I continue to work here while I build up your competition, please? Right. Like it just wasn't a it wasn't a thing. Yeah, a lot of places aren't necessarily cool with that. No. As well, especially, you know, years ago. I, I think the industry is taking a shift now where People don't want to create enemies in the industry anymore because you never know who's going to be your boss next week. Does that make sense? I think that's partially true. Yeah. It's weird because the tattoo community is, you know, high schools have their cliques. Right. There's the nerds, the stoners, the jockeys. We don't have that, but we have the same number of them. So you have like your top tiers, like Franklin Atra, Jimmy Litwalk, and they're like, we sit way up here in this top shelf and we look down upon everybody, but we're very helpful. And then you have the same people in the same category that look down on everybody, and they're not very helpful. And then you have mediocre tattoo artists, and you have people that are always trying to build up, but you still have the people that are just fighting tooth and nail. Because I, for some reason, they feel like, I have to tattoo every single person on this planet. No one else can. I have recently witnessed that especially with doing some more conventions over the last year. I've noticed how clicky things are and you have mm -hmm. like this little group of people and then you know they have rivals or whatnot of the other little click group of people yeah you know and it's like the neo trad guys versus the trad guys versus the realism you know, the, people the re versus yeah. the cartoony people like and your art isn't art because it's not photorealistic like mine is and it's it's weird that Things like that have still survived this long in the industry. It's kind of like artist racism in a way. In a weird way, it is. It actually is. Yeah, because a lot of people say yours is like, and I'll put myself on blast, even just in the world of art in general. I had this fight with Dion all the time. Like, I hate abstract art. 
I don't get it. I don't consider it art at all. Well, you're talking to the trash poker guy <laughs> over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> the and, controlled chaos. But even that makes more sense to me because that is at least incorporated into elements of what I personally consider art. It's a design. It's an element. It's a Statue of Liberty, which is art, but then you put the chaos over near it with it. To find that harmony and balance. Yeah, and that makes sense. But when someone just takes a white canvas and they put two blue streaks across it and one drip of red down the middle. I hate that. And they're like, it's art. It's, it's like, not. It's like those people that do that acrylic uh, paint pour and then they spin the canvas yeah. and then they're like throwing paint buckets at it. Pop a hole in the paint can and just push it. Yeah. And the cylindrical force just spins around. It is, but you didn't do it. Like it's, gravity did it. Momentum did right, it. Right. It's at best, I would consider it a visually pleasing image image to look <laughs> but at. Is you it is art, but it is to some people. It's can, can you call that creating something though? I mean, yeah, it's still creating something. I can take this water bottle and you can create a mess. Put it right here. <laughs> I created something. You created. See how it's like dangling on the edge? It's it's creating suspense. It's <laughs> I told creating, you to do a bendy. I told you to do the bendy. <laughs> like you're worried that I'm going to get water on your $8 billion thing. Like, no. But oh, it this, did. I, this old thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's really weird. It is weird because that's the problem with the whole industry as a whole, especially as being a tattoo artist, is art is subjective. So when we go on the internet and you go on Facebook and you see like this whole horrible tattoo and 8,000 people like it, but all of us in the shop are laughing at it. It's because it's subjective. Right. So does the art. So do you remember the, this, um, what was the guy's name? He did that terrible, like Raiders football guy. Yeah, or I remember that What one. is that guy's name? He was like out in the, um, new England States or whatnot. I don't think I ever knew Chris his name, but somebody I've or, seen it. Everywhere, but everybody, oh, Chris Crinkle, <clears throat> it was Chris Crinkle. And for a while, people were would say things like, You got Chris Crinkled if you got a bad tattoo, you know, right? But people were still going and getting tattooed from that guy left and fucking right. So, even though our standards are different, you know, as far as what makes a good tattoo or a good piece of art, he was selling it so. Well, it's just like, it's remember, the, it's to... just like the Sucky Panther. Yeah. <laughs> they've made books about it. There's Flash with the Sucky Panther face on Fred Flintstone. They've taken the bad and elevated it into good. It's not good. It's temporarily good because we live in the age of funny, temporary, and meme life. So in the heat of the moment, like, it's a lot of fla everything in the tattoo industry is becoming, like, Flash Pan trend, and then that's it. Yeah. And we've seen it come and go. Stars on the ribs came and gone. Infinity symbols. The whole came handles. And gone. <laughs> because it, it was the, the tramp stamps. That was the whole yeah. handles on the we, ribs. We call them skank planks. Skank planks. Yep. And now it's, oh gosh, it, we went through the. Um, Dandelions and silhouette birds. The infinity symbol. Live, laugh, love. And then people getting their memorials that are writing out the whole fucking obituary. I want to get the, the birth day. date, death date, yep. write everything that they like, but do it in, in words instead of just doing an image that right. represents the person. And it all must fit 
Uh, about the size of a quarter. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. happy birthday, Dave. I just, you know, <laughs> I just had one of those the other day, and I just finally sat her down. And I, I give uh, some people. I try to read the room. I give them the hard speech about memorial tattoos, because it's like if you get a memorial tattoo, it should be for like you want to look at that picture and have a fond, happy memory of that person. But all people do is like mark when they died, oftentimes how they died. Like, why would you do that? Well, I think it's our responsibility as creatives and as artists to guide clients that because, you know, they're not doing this for a living or, or whatnot. Right. Um, I have seen clients come in that are in a creative field themselves, be it graphic design or some kind of writing, illustration, some, whatever it may be. And they usually would come in with a much better concept as far as what I would consider a better concept. Right. Uh, well more thought out instead of just a generic doing their fucking tombstone on their goddamn right. arm. You know what I mean? So yeah. in cases like that, I like those kind of clients because mm-hmm. – I get a little more creative freedom where they're like, oh, hey, this is, you know, here's some subject matter, run with it. But then I have the clients that, you know, come in with a two inch thick manila folder Mm -hmm. to micromanage the entire process. I don't get along with clients like that. I don't either. But unfortunately, that's what in my, we're both tattoo artists. And for anyone listening who's not in the industry, like your clientele, mentality of thinking is different than mine, which is different than Steve's and different than them. So in my personal point of view, 90% of my clientele are the micromanaging client. I, I, I've seen you um, have some conversations with people and I love love listening to those because they are long and you're pretty much telling people in the nicest way possible why their idea sucks. And I love hearing it. But not oftentimes, <laughs> I'm going to defend myself because he's not wrong, but it's not oftentimes that it sucks. It's just not doable. It's very right. rare that I say, well, the image is ugly. It's just, I'm sorry, but it has to be 12 inches long. Right. It can't be two inches long. And that's where the great debate comes from. Now, see, and then you and I have different stances on cover-ups. You're not the biggest fan of cover-ups. And I'm I not. do pretty much all the fucking cover-ups. Because, so when it comes to my clients with, when it comes to cover-ups, I know personally that I can't do, you know, artistically exactly how things should be done. Light source is exactly where they should go. (laughs) I bend the rules a lot. Which is my problem because I have a difficult time doing that. Right. Yeah. I also know that if I can bend some rules and get a client into a piece that they're happier with, whether or not it's artistically 100% correct or not. Right. I I feel like that's the less of the two evils rather than them going someplace else. And then they're ending up in a cover-up of a cover-up of a cover-up, which I've seen happen so many times. So I will kind of take that bullet sometimes as long as I can get as much control over the situation as possible if somebody comes in and tries to micromanage me on a cover-up i'm like go do it your fucking self i mean right that's just dumb because i mean and that makes sense and like that's like the one area i feel you get to have that kind of inaccuracy i guess the word is because you have to do things a certain way right and and as long as it's in my eyes I, i want it to be as close to artistically accurate as possible 
but if it looks aesthetically better than it was <laughs> before, was then mission accomplished. Well yeah. Yeah. And, you know. And the thing too is I have a hard time always remembering this. And sometimes I don't feel I have to remember this, but it's also like we look at an image and we go, ooh, proper light source, proper shadows. Nobody else does. When they leave the shop and go to the bar and show their table of 15 friends they're a tattoo, no one's going to be like, light source is wrong, bro. Right. You know, that drop shadow should be to the left, not to the right, exactly. bro. But you know what really sucks, though, is like when you're not doing a cover-up and then one of your colleagues comes over and is like, oh, is that a cover-up? And you're like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I suck. There's a lot of those weird <laughs> questions where sometimes we're smart asses about it and sometimes we're just not. Like, oh, nice lines. Yeah, crispy. Crispy <laughs> lines. Sometimes you just meant to go, dude, those are crispy lines. Sometimes you go, shoot, was one of them wobbly? Yeah. <laughs> I got to find the wobbly ones. Yeah. I think they were being like secretly sarcastic. Are about they it. being facetious Wait, right now? In my case, I know it's often like, I need to go check a line. So on this subject, then. When it comes to clients and the micromanaging ones and everything like that. So what's your ideal client when they come in the door to have a consultation with you? Ideally, what what makes it a fun day for Jordan? In a perfect world, someone comes in and goes, I like your work. I follow you on Instagram. Here's the body part. Do what you want. Which, obviously, there's always restrictions. I'm not going to put, like, a three-titted alien or, you know, giant wieners and stuff. And I'll have a conversation, like, what are you into and what do you like? But that's rare. It happened more often on the road than it does in shop. I've noticed that a lot. But It really does happen on the road. I think it's because people want something right then and there. They're like, okay, your stuff is cool. Just do something. Well, I also feel like on the road, there are... How do I break this down? So in your town, there are tattoo shops, and then there's tattoo studios. One's better than the other. And you also have customers, and then you have clients. One is better than the other one. I agree. So on the road, I feel the artists that are there are primarily studio quality, and the people going to these events are more often clients more so than customers. They're the tattoo collectors. They're there because they follow you and your work from eight states away, and now you're in their state. They're aware of you, what you do, how you do, and they are seeking you out by name to get something done. And they also understand that getting tattooed at a show also comes at a premium price because, one, you're kind of skipping ahead of the, the line of the weight that right. a lot of very good artists And it costs to you a fortune up. to go. Exactly. Airfare, hotel, the booth that you work at is close to $1,000. Not, not to mention, you know, your sustainability over the weekend, having to provide yourself meals and everything like that. Yep. You know, and, you know, a lot of these shows are in bigger cities and everything. Some of the really cool shows are in bigger cities. So everything in big, bigger cities costs a lot more, more money. Expensive. Yeah. So, but it's laid out like a flea market. It really is. So it's people fun. are in that flea market. I've actually had people. St- question me as to why they had to pay anything they paid 20 bucks to get in that so wait means, a second we, that means they can go around and get all the tattoos, all the tattoos they want tattoos because want. they paid the admission fee and that's i had that's uh, so, somebody walk up to me last year i was at the flint tattoo convention and somebody came up to me and they're like so how does this work i just pick out a tattoo and then like anybody just does it for me i'm like well you want to you want to 
find out, you know, how much they're going to charge you and everything first. He's like, well, I already paid my 30 bucks to get in. Don't I just get tattooed? And that was that was actually a real thing that people are confused. And I don't understand the mentality in which either. you would ever think that was a possibility. I think that's part of the generational like selfishness and entitlement. Entitlement. Um, but like, ignorance. if you pay to get movie tickets, the snacks aren't free. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like nothing in this life is free ever. No. And 30 bucks, like what makes you think? But there are things that happen in our industry that makes people think that, though, too. Because they got participation awards. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But, you know, there's still a lot of shops that do, like, $13 tattoos. Dude, like, I won't even show somebody a tattoo for $13. I won't draw you a map on how to leave the building for $13. No, no. <laughs> Not that I'm money hungry, but I'll just I'll don't. just take your damn $13 and... But that's the problem is there's so much... There's good and bad in the tattoo industry, and there's far more bad than good. I agree. And so it just trumps it. And those are the stories that get out. Like, dude, this guy down the street did this whole half sleeve for 100 bucks. Were you there that day where Travis was working the counter, and this guy came in? He's like, I got this whole sleeve for, like, 60 bucks or whatnot. <laughs> and Leah goes walking by, and she's like, yeah, it looks like looks it. Looks like it. I was there. And he was like, what do you mean? She's like, uh, it sucks. <laughs> and the guy started like getting all bitchy and everything. Travis ended up kicking him out and it was awesome. And I love that day. You know, it's weird because in customer service, you never want to tell someone their tattoo sucks, but I when they turn around the and offend you by saying your work is not worth the value in which you're putting on it, then I feel it's fair game. Well, for me, if somebody's because I deal with cover-ups a lot, if somebody's coming to see me, 90% of the stuff I feel like I do anymore is just cover-up stuff. Every day you guys walk by and like, hey, what are you doing? Another cover-up. Cover oh, Another cool. cover-up. Another cover-up. Another... Yep. So when people come in, I will rip their tattoo apart, and I'll be like, look, that's terrible. Because sometimes people just want to cover a little tiny portion of a tattoo. And I'm, like, right. I'm like, I don't understand. Don't like, do I just that. don't like the feet on this bird. Yeah, don't do like, that. Well, the head's <laughs> just as bad, yeah. so you might as well. Yeah, so I'll I'll tell people, like, yeah, it's really... And a lot of times the people that I deal with, they already know that it sucks. That's oh, yeah, why that's they're why they want to go yeah. in the first place. So, But sometimes I'll be working on a particular area say like in the middle of a forearm and they'll have something on their wrist that i think looks like crap and i'll be like so you want to get rid of that too and they'll be like no i want to keep that and i'll be like well you know, it yeah. kind of needs to go or you're gonna have a turd sitting right next to this you know beautiful piece beautiful. of jewelry i tell people that too when it comes like adding on to things like if someone comes in they have like a, a tigger tattoo and they want to put winnie the pooh right next to it and tigger's horrible i'll tell them Oh yeah, I try the nice because you, way. You, you you want them to have the best looking piece possible. That that is the outcome of every good tattoo artist. And I try to tell people all the time, like the advice we give you, we don't want you to have a bad tattoo. Right. So anything I say is all gonna benefit you and the tattoo. I would rather not tattoo somebody if they're not going to get a good tattoo, rather than take their money and just do a subpar that's why i'm something. broke all the time yeah that's the starving artist man i am i am mr no and i try to tell even the newbies we got at our shop is when someone comes in like well i want the national anthem tattooed about you know two by two on my wrist 
And a lot of tattoo artists, and there's a few in our shop that use these words like, well, it probably shouldn't be done. Or I don't think we can. No, you just say, no, it can't be done. Like you just, I try to cut through the bullshit. I'm polite, but I'm stern and I'm to the point. Cause most times I'm in the middle of a tattoo. Right. Like I got to get back to work. So I'm not going to be like, gee, well, maybe so. No, no. I know after 18 years that you can't do Winnie the Pooh the size of an index finger. Right. So I'm just going to tell you straight up. You've lived that. You've you've gained those experiences because I'm sure at one point in your career you did shit like that. And then you learned a hard lesson that, wow, that looks like shit. About five years of it. I, I feel like apprentices these days. They, they do have a lot of entitlement issues, and they don't want to listen to core advice like that, where we're trying to guide them in a good direction, but they think they know more. So they'll take on stuff like that. Yeah, they got to touch the burner. They do. They, that, which is... It's fine. You know, we have a friend, and sometimes he's like, hey, I think I want to try this. And I'm like, no. Like, abundantly no, because I would stop and ask if I should even be doing it. And he'll do it. And sometimes I think they should do it because you gotta, you're never gonna know that, oh shit, that looks like hell. Right. That's permanent. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, I think maybe that's part of the apprenticeship is they should do one of those. And then they never wanna get themselves in that situation ever again. Now you're gonna be super careful about what you pick, where you put it, so on and so forth, because. Bless them for being ambitious. I get I, it. I, I think but... they're ambitious too because they're hungry and they're trying to build clientele for themselves. And they're just they're trying to do anything because they're excited about doing it. But there's and somebody the that we know that will just doesn't listen. Just does not listen. Still to this day, just does not listen. I can honestly tell you, every apprentice I've either had or helped with has done it. Oh. And you know the new, it ain't specific to one person or the other. It's like, nope, 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 shouldn't do it. And I come into work, and you did it. And you're trying to ask me how to fix it. I can't tell you how to fix it because I told you not to do it in the right, first place. Right, And then they start asking me, oh, how do you cover this up? <sighs> tell them to pay me, and I'll do it. Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's the hard knocks of the tattoo industry. And I get it because, you know, you don't get paid for your apprenticeship, for those that don't know. You know, I went two years with no money. Oh, man. So once once you can make money, you're like, I kind of need the money. And it's way different these days than what it used to be back then, you know, 18 years ago. I'm 20 years now. So we're both like right in that same generation where you were working your ass off trying to learn. So it was like you're trying to make an income and get an education you're not getting any income from apprenticing so you're either trying to hustle on the side working at a gas station or whatever going in putting in a ton of hours at a tattoo studio where you're doing bitch work and everything but the highlight of your day is when somebody teaches you how to pull a line or they show you a cool trick and then you're on cloud nine you cannot wait to take that knowledge and apply it to the next thing that you're gonna fuck up you know what i mean i still feel that because you know up until COVID, like I was doing guest spots. You know, I'd go to Franklin Atras and I wouldn't even work. I just watched 10 of the best new schoolers work and I got to ask all the questions and sit down and draw with them. And that's something I feel never goes away and never should go away because the worst thing you ever want to do is get stale or plateau. I agree. And which is where I feel I'm at right now, if I'm being honest. I, <laughs> I, I do too. And I think that's why I've decided to take on this podcast adventure is to reinvigorate something within myself but also 
shine some light on more of those problems that are in the industry rather than, you know, some of the bad in the industry than the good, because there is more bad, I feel, sometimes than there is good in the industry. I mean, I love this industry. I think that's an accurate statement. I love, love, love this industry. And I know this industry loves me, too, because Mm -hmm. tattooing has loved me the same as I've loved it, if that makes sense. It does. I feel the opposite. (laughs) I love this industry, don't get me wrong, but I feel it has not given me nearly as much as I've given it. So on to the next uh, (laughs) topic here. Tattooing has taken a lot from you. You've made a lot of sacrifices for tattooing, one being both your wrists. Both my hands. And who needs those? Yeah, the the <laughs> you don't need those tattoo. I, yeah, I saw that. this video the other day of a guy tattooing with his freaking he, feet. Yep. And it fucking looked dope. I'm about to I try wanted it. to quit. I wanted to quit after that. I'm like, you know what? I can barely I'm so old, I can barely bend my toes without getting a Charlie horse. Like, yeah, I know. Hold right? a tattoo machine. There's I no can't way. scratch my other foot with my other foot without <laughs> really? getting a damn like, foot cramp. Like, ow, ah, ow, shit, ow. shit, shit, shit. Yeah. But yeah, so you and I remember when you were going through that, you couldn't, you couldn't tattoo as long as you were used to. You, I you still can't. You still can't. No. And then you had the carpal tunnel surgery, twice. which was twice, yeah. which was supposed to be, you know, what, like three to six weeks or something like that recovery time, and it ended up being something like six months or something. The wasn't first it? one was accurate. The first one was two weeks. It was this one and this one, the ulnar nerve. It was this one. This was the bit. Yeah, this my right hand was a bad one. Sorry. Um, yeah. This one goes in your butt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the left hand went smooth and easy. And then a couple months later, it happened in the right. And I had surgery on that. And something went wrong in the surgery that is no one to blame. It's just the body's reaction. It gave me CRPS, which is nerve damage. So basically, my hand was just curled up into my chest like this for about six months. And it was scary as shit because I'm always like, oh, sometimes I'm over tattooing. Like I said, it's taken more than it gives. I've lost time with my kid. I barely knew my kid's childhood, which I'm sure you can understand. I, I can very much Because it was that. work from 7 to 11 to make money, then 11 to midnight to not make money to learn, and then just years of that. And then it's just like, what do I do if I can't tattoo anymore? And it was scary. It was like literally scary. Like I'm all hands tattooed for those that can see hands tattooed, knuckles tattooed. I can't go get just any other job now. Right. Even though tattoos are more socially acceptable in order for to us a degree. to get a career outside of tattooing, that would be comparable. I would know, say pay that wise. is comparable to, yeah, there's no freaking way. There, mm-hmm. There's no way there's, you're not not to say that tattooing is mega lucrative either, people out there who are trying to get oh, into the business. But for the hard work but. and dedication that we've put in over the years, you know, we're finally to a point in our careers where I feel like we get comp- compensated well for it. I'm abundantly spoiled. Yes. I mean, I've seen some I'll of the... I'll be honest with it. I, I've, I've seen your Spider-Man costume. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And your Rocketeer pack. I spend thousands of dollars on useless junk. But I'm also spoiled in the ways like, but I had to earn this to where it's like, I don't work weekends. I'm going to pick and choose the days I want to work, the times I want to work. Well, yeah, Which because- is new to me. But for the first 18 years of my kid's life, I was I worked every day but Sunday. I see. So, so when, I, when I started, I was working seven days a week. Not getting paid. 
Mm-hmm. And we would have other counter people come in and they would take naps in the back room or what I do all the work for the day. They'd be the ones getting paid and they'd take off and they're like, all right, thanks, man. I, just, I didn't have to come here. I just had to come here to pick up money pretty much. Right. But by me doing that and making that sacrifice, I was able to build my career. So with all the sacrifice and everything that I've given up, and you know that I've, I've got some issues going on with my shoulder, or arm, and whatnot right Heart, now. Heart, brain, knees. You're falling everything. apart, I'm dude. falling apart. And <laughs> I'm, I'm having, you know, mortality is looming over me like a black cloud lately. You know, last year I turned 40. And You're halfway, dude. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm almost there. Because <laughs> I'm a pessimist, and I know, like, 80s is pushing it for us. Yeah, so I mean, we've I'm spent 43. all these years not taking the best care of ourselves, hunched over. I, my body feels like I just freshly got hit by a truck. Yep. I love going to masseuses because they will look at you like they don't know what you did. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck happened Because your right shoulder you? from tattooing is over here. Your your left arm from stretching is way up over here. Everything's tight and out of place. Well, I, I've had uh, my girlfriend, Adriana, she's massage my back for me before and she's felt the knots in my back and my shoulder she's like oh my god it feels like you have tumors they're yeah. so hard i can't tell what's bone and what's up whenever my knot. wife does it i can i can hear it i can feel her finger going i can hear it in my body and crunk, crunk, there's just this big knot right on the inside of my left shoulder and it's terrible too and it's like just, some of them you can't even get to because they're underneath your shoulder blade and mm-hmm. that, so that's a whole nother topic you know dirt morrison yeah, from uh, Red Tree Gallery in Ohio, he's touched on uh, mobility and everything for a tattoo artist, longevity of your yeah, career and things like that. Stretching before. Stre- it's almost like exercise. You got to stretch before, you got to stretch after. That guy's doing it right, though. So it's not to say that if you don't put in the work that you can't do it, that you can't, you know, it's just we're the kind of guys where we weren't ambitious enough to do that. But some people are also just in different parts of their career, too, you know, like... I'm not going to name names, but I know some tattoo artists who are incredible and they deserve what they have, but they only have to do one or two tattoos a month. That's it. I agree. You know, and sometimes that's how the topper tier tattoo community is. Sometimes as they pick and choose the pieces they want, it's often maybe one tattoo a week and that pays all their bills because their price is where it should be. I'm not saying it's overly done, but so those people have it a little easier than... We get up every day. We have to go to the shop. I have to prove my worth to 15 people a day just so I can get an appointment booked so I can get a paycheck so I can eat. And then during that appointment time and, you know, the preparation of that appointment time, you're killing your body, hunched over, put in the hours. Yeah, Tattooing is not easy on the body. So everyone comes in like, I want to be a tattoo artist. I say don't. Don't I tell do everyone, don't it's do hard. it. It's hard. There's so much sacrifice. It takes so you much from no you. no idea. It's not what TV makes it out to be. No, it is not. It ain't strippers, hookers, rock parties, and blow. I, I, see, I always wondered <laughs> when um, you were considering doing the um, tattoo show before, what was it, Ink Master or something like that? I was that. about to be on Ink Master before COVID hit. Yeah. I was so eager to see how they'd edit you. I was hoping they'd make you look like a dick. <laughs> I bet they would because it wouldn't be hard. <laughs> they'd be like, okay, this guy here, he says no to everything, so we're just going to, yeah. he's going to be the no guy. But that would probably kept you on the show till at least the semifinals. It might have. It might have. Like, this cute, cartoony-looking dude is kind of a dick. And I'm not a dick. I just... 
I don't dick around. Like, I, I can see how that could be I edited so well, though. That's oh, what could, I'm going to do could. after you leave here today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just gonna, here's Jordan's like, oh, I hate everyone. Go to hell. I'm the no guy. I'm the yeah. no guy. Yeah. So, okay. Now, I heard this piece of advice years ago in order to not burn out, I guess, because burnout's a real thing, especially for guys like me and you that are longer into our careers that – put those hours in and work hard and still hustle i'm in like a year-long burnout right now i'm i feel like i'm right there next to you and i'm i'm trying everything i can desperately to get out of that and i feel like i'm approaching it and i'm going through some good motions like the podcast i feel like it might be a healthy outlet it might not i might grow to hate this too which might make me love tattooing who knows it sounds hippy dippy but we're creatives so therefore, if we're not getting what we need from one, we're going to cheat on it and we're going to go do another. You got to have creatives need an outlet. I really think that's true. You're not getting it. No offense to anybody or work, but you're not getting what you deserve. You need at work creatively. So now you're doing this. Now you get to create this way. You can only be so creative with flags, man. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? How can you create another American and that, flag? That's where burnout comes in. That's why I'm getting burnout. The job is repetition, and it shouldn't be, but it is. You know, I, I, I could it sit is. at home. I could take a month off, sit home, and draw up 47 million amazing custom designs that make me feel creative, would make me feel good tattooing. I would never do one of them. Do you know... During COVID, I didn't draw, I didn't paint, nothing. I couldn't. I, I couldn't either. <laughs> I I think I had a like reset. I needed like a creative reset. I think I loved COVID for that reason. Like I, too. It I was able to explore other things. I could ex- I exp- yeah, I got into filmmaking, film ed not filming, but I call it film filming, editing, puppeteering. Like my creative just shifted completely to an entirely different medium that I really loved, which is thriving too. Right now you've had some pretty incredible offers with Jordy's place to puppeteer alongside of some masters. Yeah. I mean, I've paid for some of them, but yeah, that's okay. It's, it's opened up (laughs) a few things, not anything massive yet, but I'm being hopeful. It's only three years old. But, yeah, that's just been a whole other fun thing where I'm starting to, like, I am, I love tattoos. They're amazing, but I'm more than that. Like, I I like drawing. I like tattooing. I like singing. I was in a band. I like puppeteering. I like filmmaking. I like editing. So, like, I'm, I do voices and impressions and all this stuff. And, like, I'm spread in, like, ten different ways. You're creative. So, yeah, and I'm just, like, finally starting. I've done the band thing. I've done the drawing thing. I've done commission art. I've done tattoos. I've done this. Now I'm like moving on to the second hand of creativity things, and I'm learning that I love those just as much, if not more. Do you than ever tattooing. find yourself like coming back around full circle to some things prior that you are now implementing towards like your puppeteering or anything like that? As far as like old creative things, like say for instance, singing. I, I know that you did an episode, or you've done a few episodes uh, with Jordy's Place, or even with your live streams and stuff, where you've done some. Uh, some musical kind of style stuff. Yeah, that's the, the interesting thing. Maybe that's why I like, oh, I just love puppets. Let's be honest. I'm not going to try to get around. I'm a Muppet nerd. But like when I do that stuff, every single thing I love is utilized. From the art to the Photoshop to the editing to the filming to the voices to the singing to the, like everything that I love to do, basically in one way or another, whether it's cover art, 
or Instagram posts. I got a green screen. I got to edit. I got to do like everything's used in that one medium. So I kind of get to scratch every itch. It's like creating an opus. Mm-hmm. I, and I right here with you, I, you know, I love digital media creation. I love graphic design. I love drawing. I love audio production. I love music, all that stuff that now I've got so many years with, you know, tattooing and everything in that creative outlet as well. And even speaking with people and building relationships with clients and things like that. I feel like there's an art form to that as well. Oh yeah. And how you run your schedule. I feel like there's the art of scheduling, which that's going to be a solo podcast that I talk about in the future. I've got a great idea for that, but I completely relate to what you're saying as far as like moving on to the next chapter of your creative development and everything and exploration, like what you're doing with uh, puppeting right now. And you, you, it's starting to pay off where you're making some extra side hustle money with it. Yeah. Like TikTok's amazing. Like anybody, you could literally be live streaming on TikTok right now and making gifts, making money. Like anybody can do it at any point in time. You, you were uh, telling me prior to setting up this podcast date and everything today too, which that's something I'm going, I've been slowly exploring TikTok. I think I have like three TikTok posts right now. Right. And I had like some hater on my last post that I did like talk some shit or whatnot. I'm like, fuck TikTok. I don't like this place. <laughs> Nobody likes TikTok, but everybody's on it. So that that is something for the future with this and everything, you know, doing at least some clips or something on yeah. TikTok. And once I can have my whole media creation station going on, you know, like uh, the drummer from Rush's drum set, and it's right. all just digital <laughs> buttons of me, like we're talking, hanging stream. upside down yeah. and stuff. I got yeah. YouTube going, I'm Facebook Live, I'm this and that, you know, I got all that shit going. You know, yeah. once uh, I pay off some credit cards from all this stuff. No. <laughs> Right. I'll get some more equipment and do some cool stuff. That's the only downside of being a creative is most of the things you want to do cost a shit ton of money. Yeah. Well, because I don't like to half-ass anything either. You can't, though. That's the thing. Like, qual- maybe it's because we're tattooers, but top quality is everything. Well, it's the better that you get at something, the more people expect out of you. So that true? Now, that and true. just being known to, as being a good, respected tattoo artist... I go to create a podcast. I've never done a podcast before, but there's a certain level of expectation just based on the quality of the stuff that I put my name on that I put out there. So production value wise, I had to go a little bit more than just setting up my phone and, you know, us having this conversation in my bathroom. Right. Well, but we're all attracted to aesthetics. You know, if someone's watching and they see these really nice, which these are really nice microphones, they're going to watch automatically because no one's going to spend this kind of money to not be good at what they do. That's like social mentality. You know, if you if I'm I'm going to put this in puppet terms, I apologize. But if I'm going through TikTok and I see some dude with a twenty dollar puppet, I'm not going to watch. I don't think right. you're good. I don't think you're funny. I don't think you're ta- I'm automatically assuming these things because your puppet looks cheap. Right, And if I see, ooh, that looks like an $800 puppet, I'm going to tune in because it looks really good. Yeah, like you put some effort into making sure that this was going to be good quality. Yeah, so therefore everything else must be. Sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. Right, and then now we're going to have, you know, a whole list of haters in the comment section mm-hmm. section blowing us up saying, you know, not everybody can afford to start great. You know, you got to start somewhere. And I agree with that. that I completely true. agree. I think... It's important to remember that you do not have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to become great. great. 
Yes. And you should strive to be great. Always. Because, I mean, what else are you going to do with life? It's it's better to aim for the stars and miss than aim for the ground and hit. Right. I tell that to my kids all the time. What's that saying? If you don't take a swing, you're never going to hit a single ball? Right. Like something like that. Screen door on a battleship or something. <laughs> People in glass houses sink ships. I don't know. Yeah, something yeah, weird yeah, like yeah. that. Let's go, let's go metaphor yeah. hour now. Yeah. But um, so what do you with, – with everything that you've got going on now – what do you have planned for the future? Are are you slow, imminent death and paying taxes? Oh man, you stole <laughs> the words right out of my mouth. Damn it. Good night, everybody. Go hug your family. <laughs> You're not jumping on a submarine, are you? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope. Too nope. soon. Too soon. Too, never no, I made jokes about it last week on TikTok. And I got yelled at because it was too soon. Oh, whatever. Whatever. I got the experience. Yep. Full experience on that one. Um, Sorry. Anyway, what's, what's my future? Yeah. What What do you got? What do you got planned? Do, do you have me? any plans for the future? Are you Loose. trying to uh, develop your puppeteering more in the future? If I could, I love tattooing. Don't get me wrong. I will do it till the day I die, probably. But if I was to have another means and another talent to make money, I'd probably try it at this point. I've never worked a job in my life longer than like two years, three years. I was a radio know, DJ for a year. I was security for five years. I did engineering for a year. I've done all these different tattooing. is like almost 20 years of my life. That's like the Polly Shore movie, the what it was, it Son-in-Law, where he, like I majored in that for half a semester. Yeah, pretty much. That was my life prior to tattooing as well. I did construction. I worked in restaurants. I did landscaping. I did everything except for, you know, Suck dick for cracking. You know what I mean? 20 bucks is 20 bucks, 20 my bucks friend. Is 20 bucks. But yeah, I would love to get into something with the puppets. I just love, aside from puppets, like movies and film. I'm the harshest film critic in the shop. You all no, know. But I not love you. I know. But I love every step of the process. And I would love to get into that somehow. I don't know how yet, but I'm going to do it. And that's what I'm shooting for. I'm going to make an audition I tape. Know, I know a guy that, you know, knows a couple little things about video production quality. Right. I don't need to worry about quality and figure out where to send it after I make it. Oh, yeah. I have no fucking Yeah, idea that's the thing. That. Like, I have Henson Company info. Can I just mail it to them? Can I, do I have to get an agent? Like, how do I get in touch with people to start getting, but it's also, here's my problem is I love everything that's dying. Yeah. I love animate like 2D animation. My work is very Disney Looney Tunes. Like that's a dying art form because now CG took over. But same with tattooing, like realism is in cartoons are dead. So that's my issue with the art world. Let's go to the film and movie world. I love that. I want to get into it. I like puppets dying. Yeah. Like, you know, 20 years. It's huge in the UK still. It's huge in the UK. But America, nope. Like back in the day, you had Muppets, Eureka's Castle, Fraggle, right? You name like seven or eight different puppet shows. Alf was huge in the 80s. Alf was huge. Yeah. I loved it. I still watch it, and it's still funny. It holds up. It's crazy. But it just doesn't happen anymore. It's far and few and in between. Well, I think, you know, back then when, you know, 2D animation, like Sullivan Bluth Company and everything, mm. Sullivan Bluth was amazing because all those backgrounds were hand-painted. Yeah. All the character design. Oh my god. My just... wife has learned to appreciate way more what she sees on the TV than she used to. 
Because what, I just what went into it. I spit this shit out. Like we were watching Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And we finished watching and she loved it. And I was like, hey, they got the making of it. And she's like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. And that's when she realized like everything was made. You know, if you want to film a movie, you and me doing a road trip, you just jump in the car, the background's there, everything's there. But every spoon, every candle, every candle holder had to not be made, but made to size. And now she's like, oh my God, like everything I'm looking at on screen, someone took hours to build for what, five second shot? Exactly. And then it's thrown away. Exactly. That's when entertainment was more organic. Mm-hmm. And now, this day and age, entertainment's so readily at our fingertips and overly produced yeah. that the attention span of people is like that of a fish now. Yeah, I think fish have more. They, they say <laughs> if, if you don't grab somebody's attention online within the first eight seconds, you've lost them. That's true. It is abundantly true. And I can tell you from my TikTok and- analytics will tell you the average watch time of all of my videos is 3.4 seconds. I can't even get through the open. Like if I just went on and told a joke, like what's a, what kind of underwear do storm clouds wear? I won't even get through that. You won't even get through the, to the punchline. I can't yet. even get to the punchline because it's literally three point seconds. So I follow this seconds. guy. I, I, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, his social media uh or whatnot, but he does a lot of stuff with plants, like how to grow plants. Because nobody's learning about that. Kids these days don't know where food comes from, and it's just no, they don't. mind-boggling to me. You don't know that a fucking carrot grows in the ground. They just think it comes from the store. You just buy it. Right. You, know, you get it on Amazon. What the fuck ever. <laughs> so this guy, his videos, like as soon as you scroll to it, it's like bam, he's slapping you in the face. It's like wow, check this out. Wow, pineapples, they're so cool. Let me show you why. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And he's so energetic. And I, every time I scroll, I'm like, it's this guy again. It, it you gotta hook him. You got that's the hook. You yep. you got a hook within the first like. Because a lot seconds. of people, like, the problem is you slip in and then they go, "Hi, my name's Jordy. I'm Nobody the puppeteer." Nope, you've, you're gone. They're gone already. It's the same with your live. I know you streams. just lost me. I'm actually. I know you're like I'm checked out. But we have we're actually on TikTok Live. We actually have a management company. They're there to help us. The more money we make, the more money TikTok makes. The more TikTok makes. That's how they get paid. I don't pay them a thing. But they're always giving us advice and giving us mentors and here's how we got to make things better and here's this and this. And it's the same thing. Like a lot of people start their live streams and you wait, you got one person, two person, three person. Everyone's like, oh, okay, we're just getting ready for a stream, guys. Or they'll Gearing have up, like a, the, the show starts, starts going in down. five minutes and it just never does anything. And now, you know, we hit play and we instant because it's me and my wife, we instantly start fighting. About nothing. Like the other day we hit play and I was like, why do you have so much Tupperware in the cabinet? I'm sick and tired of washing. And that number went from one to 450 because the algorithm will always push you in the first 10 seconds. Like you're new, you're on. Okay. We're going to give you to as many people as we can. And if they start hanging out, then we're going to add more. Yep. But if you're there, you can't like, it can't be the ramp up. It's got to start at 10 and then slowly come down at the end, which makes it difficult. It is difficult, and it's exhausting, too. Yeah. Because Do that three days a week for two hours at a time. Like, you run out of shit to talk about. I, on top of everything else that you're trying to do and accomplish in life, you know, you just worked, you know, a 40-hour week. Mm-hmm. Plus, you did, all, you know, housework and family, errands, blah, you know, whatever it may be. 
You went, went to a fucking music recital for you. That's why my hands are going to fall off in 10 years. <laughs> I, th- I th- think this arm is ready to get cut off. Like the other day, I went to work, tattooed for like six hours, went home, ate dinner, puppeteered for two and a half, which is this, yeah. for two and a half hours, stopped that, watched an hour of TV, sat down, drew up my appointment for the next day, rinse and repeat. And it gets redundant. It's exhausting. And it's so easy to burn out. Especially when you're not getting the results you want. And what I hope maybe after this podcast, which it probably won't happen, but maybe some clients out there could be a little more gentle on their artists in the future. You know, like understand we are putting so much of ourselves into everything that we do for you. Right. And all that we're getting back out of it is a little assistance paying our bills, but we are emptying ourselves, our souls, our everything, our physical well-being and health. And you know, going back to going back to the tattoo gate thing, and is like what people don't understand is sounds rude or cocky, but they don't know how good they have it. Because yeah, that chick for tattoo gate was charging for consultations way too much, charging for pre-drawn artwork way too much. But why should that be free? You know, I don't charge for consultations. I don't even charge to draw up your tattoo. But what people don't understand is when they're like, Jordan, I want, here's my forearm. I just want you to draw a grizzly bear snowboarding after a penguin. Sweet. That's awesome. That's like 10 hours of work I have to do that I can't do at work. I have to do at home when I should be spending time with my family. I'm not. So I'm doing free work for like eight to 10 hours at home for nothing just to show you a picture that you may or may not approve right and then you get to the shop and you show it to them and they're like actually i think i want to get an ursula instead yeah and you're like so great i literally spent 10 hours of my free time not making money for you to not accept the idea right it's it's hard so and I think people should charge for drawing sometimes not to the extent that she was no, it shouldn't be like a thousand dollars but Oh my God, throw me a couple hundred bucks. I think there needs to be a level that somebody reaches in their career also where they they can justify, you know, if there's that demand where it's like, okay, I have all these clients. I have so many people that want to get in with me. I have this waiting list and everything. And then I have a consultation. And if you want to have a consultation with me, then like you need to compensate me for my time. Right. And if I'm going to put all this time into drawing, you need to compensate me for my time. Especially the drawing. I just don't think people understand, like, I just draw a picture, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Just whip it's it up real so quick. It's so easy. Like, I just did one last night. I'm drawing Krampus for a client, like a cartoon Krampus. And it took me four hours, and I didn't even have, like, the solid line work. Because well, so you got to shape it and sketch it mm-hmm. and mark it, and then you got to get the details in. And then you got to do your color reference and your light sources and you got a pre-map all it takes like 10 hours because you care though because i care because you care well and also the higher in my opinion if you see a name if you just see the outline of something i feel you're gonna be like "Mm." but if you see it with the colors and the shadows and the background once you see it and come just like a movie you're not gonna watch a movie without all the cg in it right you want to see all the CG in it. <laughs> when you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff where oh you don't see it and you see all the wires and you see like how 
terrible everybody's costumes look. Or that picture of the chick from Twilight petting the dude on the head, yeah. Taylor Lautner, because he was supposed to be a dog. I've seen like some of the I behind the scenes of like movie. Thor and everything, and Chris Hemsworth like holds up Molnir, and it just looks like a flimsy little. Goes, ah. But then they CG it and the lightning strikes it. It looks all awesome. And you're like, holy fuck, that's yep. Thor. But then, like, when you're seeing the behind the scenes, it looks like the play from Thor, like when they're on Asgard and it's yeah, like so much. kooky and everything. It looks horrible. And they have Matt Damon there. <laughs> Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt but, Damon. Anywho, so, but yeah. Anywho, I yeah. Mean, it's, everything about the industry is long, it's hard, it's confusing, it's difficult, and it's not even. And that's the problem too. I feel is like if you 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 could charge for art, I could charge for art because we feel we're worth it. But the next four shops down the road aren't. There's no like universal standard within the industry. No, which makes it dip- not everyone charges the same, and not everyone should, which is the problem. So everyone's different. Everyone's time is different. Everyone's money spent. Everything's different. You can't just be like all tattoo shops must charge one fifty an hour because There's, some people are getting ripped off and some people are getting overpaid. There's not a tattoo union, and that's the other <laughs> thing. If I had, and I know you've had this probably a million times in your career, you hear the client that comes in and says, "Oh, I got this tattoo from a guy. He used to work in a shop, mm-hmm. but now he just does it out of his house." Yeah, it's like for a reason, motherfucker. He it's always for tried working at a shop, couldn't fucking make the cut, and now he's tattooing in his fucking bathroom. Or it's too cheap and just didn't want to pay his share. Yeah. Either way, a good artist doesn't want to do this. How long does something have to be horrible until people finally realize it's horrible? My entire 43 years on this planet, never have I seen a great tattoo come of a, out of a kitchen. There's so many horror stories. Everyone knows it's wrong, but why do people still continue to do it because people want something cheap they want something easy and the thing i hear the most and this is what irritates me are like we put eight thousand percent into a tattoo and most people just look at their horrible tattoos and it's good enough it's good enough well back to that situation where you know that client came in that day and he's like oh i paid like 60 dollars for this whole sleeve up the road and leo walks by he's like haha yeah looks like it People don't know that they have no. bad tattoos. So I, I hope this podcast is able to do a lot, actually. I hope it's a good outlet for artists out there. I hope there's a little bit of comic relief and everything. And I hope it also shines some light for clients out there as to what this industry really is about and what... Because they really don't know. They no, they There's really don't know. There's been 15 tattoo, finger quotes, reality TV shows, and it's all bullshit. Yeah, I remember it's watching LA bullshit. Inc. Like someone walks up to Kat Von, and you're like, "I want to get this full back. I'm dragon," and she's like, "Okay, have a seat in the lobby." I'm like, "You yeah. just went in back and drew up a full back dragon in like 20 minutes. There's no, no. way in hell, dude. That was like an eight month process." Yeah, and the other thing is. Is a lot of like some of the judges on those shows. I'm sorry, I'm gonna take this step right now. I'll open this can of worms. I don't think they have any fucking business judging some of the talent that becomes contestants on that show. I don't either. Like, I will say names right now. I don't think Oliver Peck, I don't think Chris Nunez, I don't think those guys have any fucking business judging anyone. They have a little bit of business judging in the category that they specialize in. 
in that they still you can't do, do Japanese dragons great but don't go critique Jesse Smith's new school oh my gosh while you're sitting next to a professional football player who's got to chime in because they're the guest judge like that was horrible and the only secondary overflow horror about it is now no offense clients the clients are like I know how to judge a tattoo now because I watch Ink Master right. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you don't at all. Say, oh, no. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the shading, right? Yeah. I know what shading is. It's like when they, they gave talked s- about that. It was Sarah Miller. Like, your tattoo's too dark. You lose. And she posted a picture of it three weeks later. Beautiful tattoo. Yeah. Because Beautiful. when it healed. And- yeah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, tattooing has changed a lot since their heyday. And it's going to change a lot when I'm their age. It's changing a lot right now. It's changing. It's the evolution of tattooing right See now. That so face. <laughs> this whole um, discussion that I've been wanting to have with people, and we'll, we'll wrap this up soon too. But um, AI is a huge, very touchy subject right now in the industry. But it cannot create. It cannot create. I think AI, and I'm very much on the fence with AI. Well, it's going to Ve- kill us all. Very. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw I'm Terminator. Be about it. Like, yeah. I saw The Matrix. I saw Terminator. I know what's up. I know what's happening. Happen. I'll try and make a buck off it first. <laughs> right. But so in the for the sense of, like, realism guys, okay? Realism guys don't really draw in the first place. They're copying. They're, they're recreating. I'm going to say it takes, photo. it takes a lot of talent to do what they do. It does. It takes a lot of skill. But here's where, I, like I said before, like the realism guys go, your shit's not an art form because it's cartoony. I'm literally creating something out of my imagination. You're just duplicating. You're, exactly. So, which is a talent in itself, but why is yours now more important than mine? Like you can look at me and say, I want to see this, 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 this in a drawing and I'll do it. But if I look at you, you got to go find the reference image. You got to Photoshop and crop it together. You got to do A, B, and C. And it doesn't wow me. Like, look at this tattoo of a tiger I did. Yeah, I can go look at a picture of a tiger on the internet. I want to see something I haven't seen before. I'm, I see, I'm. I'm big into realism. I love realism because I and to I, each their own. I I understand and respect the amount of skill it takes in order to do that. But then I also am on the same page with you as far as creating things. That's why with my artwork, I would throw myself into like a surrealistic category, where there's creation and then there's duplication as well. There's a lot of reference, but then there's a lot of Take you know that's why I love trash polka so much too is because you're taking realism something that's clean and pristine and nice and then you're fucking it up and with something that you create dumb trash on it yeah yeah but in order to do that where it looks believable in an aesthetic that's you know beautiful at that's the same an time. art form too because it's you can difficult. do too much you can do too little. There's there's a proper medium, and you got to know what you're doing to make it look right. Right, and to make something look like it had paint thrown at it, without just throwing paint at it, because it's <laughs> right. never gonna land exactly where it's you never need it to. Be right where you want but it to. to to be able to create it where it looks like it was intentional, it's fucking hard. It's really fucking hard. It takes crazy people to do that shit. That's why I struggle with watercolor. I I do too, but. I, when it comes to like paintbrush strokes and everything like that, I excel with shit like that or splashes. I excel with that, but watercolor, 
Fuck no. watercolor. And no but, offense to anyone out there that does it. I don't think anybody does watercolor right. There's like two people in the entire industry, maybe three, that I can say do watercolor right. Everyone else does not do it, myself included. So don't take offense to it. Yeah. There's there's a few people out there I, I enjoy their watercolor, but I know that, you know, I'd say, you know, like I like Geo's watercolor. He was one of the three. Yep. Um, I think he does watercolors brilliantly and he mm-hmm. does it very loose. He doesn't ever like really stencil it. He he does it. It's very organic. Very organically. Mm-hmm. And I love I love how he tattoos. I I, I just I, I love I love it. I love seeing his stuff on the road when we're out there. But um but my sister-in-law specializes and I'm not going to use her name. I love her does. She's a great tattooist, but like we had this fight at the cabin a couple weeks and I go cuz I'm like I want you to bring up 800 images of watercolor drawings, watercolor art, watercolor paintings and tell me which one colors outside the lines because they don't no they don't so the fact that everyone's just doing bullshit outlines or whatever and they just take the three colors that look like a bruise purple blue and blink pink and it's just all fucking chaos all over the place is retarded pardon the r word so i I like when i see it where it looks like it was dripped in the position that you would paint Mm-hmm. Where it was like an outline, like an inked outline with like a quill or whatnot. And then it looked like you were getting ready to to paint in that area. And then like the, the color drop hit the page and then it spread. I don't know the full name, but Cloden on Instagram. Anybody get your phone out, type in Cloden. That's what it is. It's my kind. It's like Disney, but it's watercolor and the drops are there and Where i've tried to emulate it and i, I have can't to, do it i just did a poo bear actually emulating <sighs> that style with like watercolor washed through it and everything and if you're the client that got that thank you for letting me do that tattoo i had a lot of fun with it i'm sorry i don't remember your name but <laughs> i did this this poo bear outline and th- there was like some other um i think you saw it i had like the harry potter potter light pole and everything like that mm-hmm. and then the cheshire cat so a, a whole bunch of cool nostalgic you know things like that but how i did the pooh bear were was i did the red in the first shirt and everything and it was just bleeding out of the shirt a little bit and then like the you know tan oranges brown color for you know poo's fur color fur skin yeah fur skin no, <laughs> not foreskin <laughs> so to be clear on that it's not foreskin but fur skin. It's fur skin. <laughs> it's a totally different, totally different Anywho. thing. It's flesh colored. Winnie the Pooh, blood <laughs> so, and honey. But yeah, so, and I made it look like it was, you know, like flicked off of the paintbrush and just kind of stained the area, then spread out. But it, you know, the color dropped in the appropriate places. Yeah, and I'm okay with a little bit of bleed over because, like, from an amateur watercolor point, if I were to do it, like, where my wettest brush initially touched a corner. There would obviously be a little something. Right. But you just can't take blue. Like, if this is your tattoo, for those watching, I apologize, those not. And you blew way over here for some. Why? Yeah. It all started because, no offense, you might want to cut this part out. A bunch of lazy, uncreative white girls spent 10 years getting nothing but paragraphs of lettering all over their body, who then grew up to realize this is boring and uneventful. Let's just put splotches of color behind it so it's not as boring as lettering actually is. 
It was probably some guy like me that was their tattoo artist that wanted to like excel in like trash poker or something like that or some controlled chaos. And they were like, ah, can you just give it a splash of color? And he took that literal and then splash color on it. And then I got, and then it, the that's what fucking happened. God damn it. It was yeah. my fault. It was Way probably me, me like traveling to the future, to the past. Way it was go. back to the future shit. I had a hoverboard and I, ended up creating watercolor tattoos i'm sorry jordan damn it don't, don't apologize to me apologize okay. to everybody i'm sorry who's guys it was all my fault i just wanted the fucking hoverboard i, I mean i would do watercolor for a hoverboard but it was actually being honest i went back in time and i died but then doc brown went back in time and saved me when i died and I then saw a video about that. Yeah, every time crazy, he huh? rescued marty was a time when he actually died in an alternate timeline yep. but doc knew and i was like fine blown I tried to explain that to my kid and like the look on his face, his jaw dropped and you saw the gears turning and like you could smell the rubber burning in his right. head. You know? He's just like, fuck dad. You're right. like the smartest, most brilliant person. I was like, I totally ripped it off yeah. the internet. It's fine. And I figured it out on my own. Dad <laughs> yeah. figured it all out on his own. So with all this discussion of everything we talked about today and everything, are you optimistic of the direction that the industry is going nope. right now? No, nope. In case you didn't hear me, nope. (laughs) He is the no guy, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen. I try to be optimistic, and I'm trying to put my, you know, everything that I've built over the years into the industry also. But now I'm I'm classified as an asshole if I'm hard on people because I care about the fucking industry. If I want to slap an apprentice in the face because they're fucking up and they don't listen and they think they know more than me and I want to just punch them, I'm canceled though just punch them i i have i i am often the industry will never disappear which is good it will never be taken over by robots or ai which is good because they can't create um but the art is going away and i see it like there's so many techniques within art that help push art that are now being removed from tattoos. And when that happens, even if it's an art form that somebody doesn't specialize in, but that art form that inspired their specialty, if that goes away, how is it going to inspire the next generation? And that's why I think it's so important that apprentices and upcoming artists these days do a little bit of everything and they understand the fundamentals of they everything. They don't anymore. That's the they don't. They, they come right out of the gate. Oh, I, I only specialize in doing portraiture yeah. or I anime. Do or this. I only do anime. I'm not going to do anything other than. And they've never I done wish, lettering or calligraphy. I wish I started my career and be like, hi, I'm just going to pick and choose the pieces I want to do. Yeah. Like, holy shit, that would be great. To, to me. <laughs> And the, I don't give a fuck who out there wants to argue this with me because I'll be a dick about it all day and night and I'll stand my fucking ground because I've helped, you know, not this entire industry, but I've put my work into this industry. I've put 20 years into this fucking industry. I'm not here to listen to some crying ass, you know, two-year-old tattoo artist with some tattertude. Or tattertude. <laughs> that, you know, this little tatter tot that thinks they know more than me. And they're like, oh, no. So this is how it's going to be now. Oh, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. Actually, it's not going to be that way, and it shouldn't be that way. But how can we trust passing the torch to these people when, like, no, bro, I'm never going to do any 
traditional style work. You It'll don't happen. you don't have to do it all the time, but you should know because then you need to pass that torch on to then the next generation. And if these right. art forms die, if you're not well-rounded enough, and that's, I think, what's very important about a successful tattoo artist is I think tattoo artists need to be very well-rounded. I think you're a very well-rounded artist. That's, that's where I get pulled like 50-50. I do agree with you, but I don't like it. I don't think anybody <laughs> you, you likes it. You know what I'm it. saying? Like, yeah, everyone should be well-rounded enough to get through 80% of the basics that's required of you. But the problem is right now is we, the industry, I feel, and just from my small-minded view, I'm not saying this how it is, but it feels like we are breeding specialty artists, which makes sense. Like, if you're a black and gray guy, at what point would you ever want to do color? Like, in art, in general, I, I get it. But I think we just have to have, a, have faith that to know that the industry is oversaturated. So there are people doing what we think should be done, even if it's not happening within our own four walls. So yeah. it will survive because some people are trying to be ink masters. That was the point of ink master. <laughs> like who can do fine line plus black and gray plus this plus, 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 plus. But now it's not. Now it's like so hard without naming names, but I know a guy I'm going to try to lie about it. I know a guy who only does stick figures, but that's all he wants to do. His first tattoo was a stick figure. His next will be a stick figure. And if somebody wants something other than a stick figure, what is he going to do? And this is a new problem for me, and I'm not blaming the shop in which we work at, but we have a lot of tattoo artists. I've never worked in a shop with this many artists. Surprisingly, though, we, we do keep everybody... Everyone does stay busy. Stays I'm not saying busy. it's a bad thing. It's only a bad thing. And where I started, there were two of us. Where I went, there was three of us. Where I went, there was four of us. You had to do it. Like the amount of people, right. there weren't enough artists to compensate for right. everything. When I started, you know, I started here at the shop that we're at now, Bay City Electric Chair. When I started, there was, I was the apprentice. And then there was two other artists. And at that time, they had a problem with an apprentice coming in, like another hand in the cookie jar and everything. Right. And, you know, the, you know, that's where things have evolved. The, the work is there now. There's a lot more specialty work and whatnot. And, but I still, even to this day, try to be well-rounded, but I, I'm also on the fence with it too, with, with the 50% of, you know, you can't be a jack of all trades, a master of none. I think you should be a master of something and then a jack of some trades. You know, you right. don't want to half-ass everything that you do. You want to whole-ass one thing, you know? Right. And that's, you know, and I'm honest with a lot of people about it. Like, that's not my thing. I would love to make $1,000 off you today, but it's not going to look good. Exactly. Like, that's for him to do. That's not for me to do. But we have a huge lack of that in the industry, exactly. too, anyway. That's I have a whole a, nother can of worms. I had a client come in just, I think it was like two days ago, and he came in and he was like, hey, I saw your portfolio online, and you're my guy. I want this dragon eye tribal upper half sleeve. I'm like, dude, I don't do tribal. Where did you see the show? Hey, show me the tribal I did. did you yeah. look at? And he was like, but... Uh, I, I like and like I like your stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I don't do that. It's like mm -hmm. I can do something in my style inspired by that, which I'm gonna do like this chaotic, splashy, slashy kind of thing. Where I think 
the guy liked the sharp edges and like the right. aggressiveness of the tattoo. So I'm going to use that as inspiration to make an aggressive dragon eye for this client. And it'll be badass because now that I explained to him, I was like, Hey, if you don't let me do what I want to do, I'm going to set you up with another artist that will give you the tribal that you want. And as soon as I said that, one of our colleagues, Isaac, that does a lot of tribal work and everything like that, he perked his head up. He's like, what do they want? Hey. Send them over to me. Hey, I'm <laughs> right. your guy. That's right and up my alley. He was exactly who I was going to pair him with in the first place if he didn't yeah. want to allow me to give him a better piece of art from me. But that's the problem with the entire industry as a whole, and I'm going to rag on you clients for a minute. And stop me if I ran too long. I, I, I love ragging our <laughs> clients. But like nobody does their homework anymore. No one does their research. Not every tattoo artist is built the same. We don't do the same. Just because I can draw Winnie the Pooh really well does not mean I can draw a fucking motorcycle. So everyone nowadays, the internet's made people fucking lazy. They just send a message that goes, I don't care who does it. I just want these flowers tattooed on me. Like or, you, or they'll look at somebody's portfolio and be like, I like their work. It'd be like somebody. It's rare, though, that someone looks at a portfolio anymore and specifically calls out by name, I want this person. Right. Well, like Leah, for instance, she has the lane that she's in. She's the master of doing the lady faces, the creepy, witchy kind of vibe and everything vibe, like that. Yep. And that'd be like somebody coming in that said they saw her portfolio. They love what she does. Will you do a flag on me? Yeah. That's exactly what that'd be like. Like, where in her portfolio have you seen what you're requesting? They just from assume her? because she does well at A, B, and C, she must be good at right. D, E, and F, and it's not so, that way at all. So, if you're a client and you're going to collect a piece from an artist that you're following, ask yourself what it is that is appealing about the artist that you're going to seek out work from. Right. Do you just like that they can do smooth blends? that they have clean line work or are you looking at the entire motif of the, you know, pieces that they like to work and that they like to present in their portfolio? You know, well, there's Jordan, for example, you, you are Jordan tattoons when it comes mm -hmm. to any tunes that and come people in the door. Still look at my portfolio and go, I love what you do. How much for a name on my wrist? Right. Yeah. Like there's no lettering in my, I was taught if you don't want to do it, don't put it in your portfolio. There are no crosses or flags in my portfolio because right. I don't want to do them. Right. And people ask me to do them all the time. I'm actually going to burn my portfolio tonight <laughs> because I have some stuff in there that I, I do. It's got its pros and its cons, though, because now people assume I can't. So I actually I went broke for a hot minute because I didn't have my black and gray, my portfolio didn't have my lettering, my crosses, my tribals, all that shit you did when you were an apprentice. Like it was just my top 15 favorite pieces I've done. That's all you need. You need 15 examples of your work is all it should take to sell or chase somebody away. But the problem is, is if they don't see it, they assume you can't do it. Right. And I agree with that. Now say like my portfolio, for example, I don't have any lettering at all or any like white girl tattoos at all in my portfolio. And I have a six month waiting list right now. And I've had clients that come in and it happened recently. They wanted like the fucking day in the line or whatever it was. And an infinity symbol, just like some real basic white girl Pinterest shit, you know? Yep. And I remember in the console, I explained to them, I'm like, Hey, this isn't really the kind of stuff that I do. Like we have plenty of other artists here that have, 
sooner availability. Like we can get you in with, you know, one of our newer up and coming artists that will do a very fantastic job on this for you. The quality right. will be there. Everything will be there. They can get you in next week or you can pay more, wait longer and I'll do it for you. Right. And then there's some people and I appreciate the shit out of these people because they are the ones that help me continue to do what I do. Right. They're that the diehards. They're the diehards. And they're like, no, I want you to do it. I'm going to wait for you to do it. But also at the same time, I appreciate that a lot. But why? Why do you want me to do yeah. something that is not who I am? That's that's the weirdness. And I tell people sometimes, like, you're the only one that's ever going to tattoo me. And I'm like, that's so awesome, but bad. At the same like, time, you yes. should be going around and collecting. That's what it's all about. It's about getting what you want, but it's about getting it with another person's art style with it. Do you only have one artist work that's hanging up in your house? Right. No, you don't. Like I, you I love have the way Van Gogh painted on, stars on and each wall. <laughs> yeah, like that's the thing. Like if all comic books were drawn by the same fucker, it'd be pretty boring. Right, right. But you like seeing different iterations of Batman, you know? Like, well, I like how, you know, Joey Mazzarino, whatever drew Batman or blah 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 is my favorite Batman. Or even like a Spider-Man when Todd McFarlane took over, he got way more dynamic. Still, you're good to a Spidey. You never imagined it, but now that you see it, you'll love it. That's what it's like going to other people. And Todd McFarlane, you, you know my feelings on Todd McFarlane. I, he is an idol of mine. I cue angel music. Oh, do you have do you have uh -oh. angel music? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh no, nope. no, no, wrong one. Ah, there you go. Todd McFarlane. One more time. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the, the cherub up in the clouds yeah, playing the, the harp, you know, yeah. and the little bells and everything. But, you know, so I guess, you know, things that we touched on today, <laughs> I'm optimistic that the industry will survive and that it'll, you know, find some some good people to hold the torch and carry it forward. But And to a degree, I'm with you on... I'm scared shitless of the direction it's going because we have the, you know, somebody in our shop that I shake my head at daily because I am terrified. Like this person's the next generation. What the yeah. fuck are they going to do? Not much. <laughs> no. Not much. But and even just, and then it just, just takes a group of 10 lazy tattoo artists to put their work out there that makes the clients want that shit too. Like, everything's becoming, all tattoos done right now will not survive, like, a year. No. It's fine line. It's that ugly pepper shading. I'm sorry, anyone who does it, I know people will do it, and you shade with your liner. It is flat. It is boring. It is valueless. There's no contrast. It's like Everything about art is being sucked away from it because it's quick, cheap, and easy, and can be done small. Uh, now, I agree mostly with you on that. And I, I just want to clarify that I think what you're referring to as far as like the pepper shading that's not gonna hold up with the value. It's usually always the fucking peonies that have like the dotted, you know, yeah. examples. There are some artists out there, and I'm gonna name drop this guy right now because I just fucking love him. Uh John Nelson from Borrow Time Tattoo in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I okay. met him in, in Philly and he's so awesome. He's a super cool guy. But he does all of his black and gray shading with a three round liner. Is he and, doing multiple tones? Oh yeah. Okay. Then the, that's the dude, then that's the I'll, I'll have to look is, him up, obviously. His stuff is fire, man. And again, it's like watercolor. I'm sure someone out there is doing it right. 
but a lot of people are doing it wrong. And the thing, and, it, and again, it's preference. It's all personal preference. But it's what's trending. And I think that's where client education is important. That's why I want to bitch about all this stuff. So I know. So, but then you're just the asshole. I don't care. I want people so to think we're it's We're not cool educating. We're just asshole. putting other people down. <laughs> we're just doing it because we can't do it. Yeah. It's just dumb. Like I, when I, when I look at something, I want to see, this is just preference. I like seeing weight, shape, dimension to images within a tattoo. Value. You know? Yeah. Like, so in smooth color blends or gradients, I want to see black and the lightest gray wash possible. I want to see contrast. Now it's just a skinny little outline of a flower. That's never going to hold up after your first beach trip to Florida and then that bullshit like liner and it either looks either the dots are so spaced out that it just looks dirty or they're so close together that after it heals, it just looks like you did it with a mag anyway, it's a, yeah. but it's one value. There's no contrast, no shape, no form. I can't look like I can reach down and like squeeze it. Right. Cause it's just flat and boring, but so, it's cheap. You know, what's funny is I just recently was able to hang out with my mentor that, was mostly responsible for my tattoo education, Eric Mitchell. And I got to hang out with him. He took 10 years off from the industry and he was, he got into the cannabis industry and he wasn't tattooing for 10 years. And now he's getting back into the tattoo industry and it's totally fucking different. So, and he said to me, he, he was looking at some stuff. He was looking at some modern day, like pepper shading stuff. And he's like, wait a second. Back in my day, if you could see the dots from the needles, that was bad. It was bad. And he's like, now they're telling me that this is good? He's like, this shit makes no sense. He's like, what the? He's like in an episode of the Twilight Zone. He's like, yeah. what the fuck's going on? It's turned inside out. Like it used yeah. to be about, you know, line weights and line sculpting to help push dimension and separate details. Now it's the skinniest. If you pulled lines like that, my mentor would have broke my hand. Yeah. Like that ain't that's lines not gonna hold. No it's saturation. Not stick. People yeah. aren't using enough black in their tattoos to And hold to those it up that over. do it, I know it. They look pretty. I'm not saying it's wrong. This is all just my personal it's, preference. Nobody just just nobody is concerned about tattoo longevity anymore. That's the thing too. I don't wanna bring up vaccines, but like you need yeah. you need testing. Take a vaccine, what happens ten years after the vaccine? Same with these tattoos. They look great now. Sure, they look great six months from now. What happens in a year? Exactly. Because it's crazy. People are like, I'm not going to worry about three years down the road. Dude, this tattoo is like almost 20 years old. And it still looks great. Like, it could use a, t- a freshen it up, I've, but it's, it, it's, I'm going to go to Angie to do it. You can tell what it is. But like all of my tattoos are over two years old. Oh, yeah. It happens. You you age but really they fast, people. Hold, they all hold their imagery well. To a degree. Like, this is a perfect example. Sorry, those who can't see. Which parts of these hold up really well and which parts don't? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's barely anything. This is almost invisible to me. This is almost invisible to me. But this is It's, it's where you there. have your contrast. You it's have where your you have your darks, weight. your blacks, your weight, your contrast. Yeah, all that stuff. It's a great tattoo. It's just some of it's needed. But, like, when you get back here, like, I'm but, not going to name names. This person dipped every color in white first. Why? I don't know. But that's why you get this kind of soft. And if that's what he was going for, great. That's not what I want. No. I like dynamic and punchy. So like, you know, that back part of your forearm there for anybody that can't see, he's got like a pyramid with like some brickwork and everything like that. But there's not enough black contrast in there 
to support that. And also no light source. So look, right here is where this pyramid splits. So one yeah. side of the wall should be darker than the exactly. other side, but it's not. But it's, it's just like a flat triangle. Exactly. There's not the there's not the values there in order yeah. to support it to for the longevity. No light time. source. And then no it all kind shadows. of blends into everything else you have going on there. Yeah. But then you have this great contrast on the top of your hand. Did Frank do that? Mm-hmm. That's a great <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> Everyone look up Frank Lenatra. He's yeah. so and he's such a nice guy too. He's amazing. And he's he's a great person because he told me he's like I tell anybody anything. They can ask me any question I want because I know in the next amount of years, I'm out. And why would I leave with all this information? I have to pass down the torch. What is it that he calls it? It's the the ultimate guest spot or something like that? The epic guest spot. The epic guest spot. And Mm -hmm. he was telling me about it when I met him in Detroit this year. You weren't able to be there, and I told him that you said hello. Mm, And he was like, oh! Jordan Day. That was amazing because he was like my number one hero icon, and I got to meet him. And, and I got to I'm, I have his phone number in my phone. I can text him whenever I want. We're friends, and it's the greatest experience. And he's giving you amazing like advice and yeah. guidance. Like I can send him my drawing, and he'll like a teacher take pencils and circle and with a red pen. But here's a great piece of advice too that he told me, and like every. The beginning of every great tattoo starts with a good drawing. He said, if you give a good drawing to a bad tattoo artist, it's going to be a decent tattoo. If you give a bad drawing to a good tattoo artist, it's still going to be bad. He is so focused on the drawing, the concept, all that. Because even in his seminars, people were like demanding their money back because they weren't teaching him how he color blends and how he does. (laughs) And he's like, it doesn't matter no it's and i agree with that this drawing is what makes you go You're, "Ooh, it's, it's the not, composition it's just like when people are like oh i love your tattoos what kind of machine do you use because i think if i use your machine i'm gonna get cool blends like you do right like it, it's it really not. has nothing to do with the equipment and you know i'm i'm all about i love equipment i love new things i'm such oh, yeah. a whore for and a new no, machine there's nothing wrong with wanting to play with new toys i love having new toys but having that but you don't that need mindset it. of well if i use the machine frank use i mean that's just that's business that's what people yeah. sell all day yeah. you know lebron wears these shoes i can too yeah, I and can... i can jump faster and run higher or whatever <laughs> live or, longer yeah but, but yeah, it, it, the equipment has nothing to do with it. You know, granted, having a good tool for the job makes your day a little better, but it's not necessary. I could probably plug in a freaking lunchbox power supply with the old fucking California cutback Spalding Rogers yeah. machine, still do a badass tattoo I today. Can tell with people, it. I've done my best tattoos with T Tech needles. Yeah. I'm, I'm and not those gonna are li- like the dullest needle you could ever get. <laughs> I'm not going to like it, but I can do it. But yeah, like. It doesn't matter. I've done so many great tattoos with shit machines, and I've done shit tattoos with great machines. It it's doesn't just, matter. You gotta slow down, and you know, it, you just it, gotta get back to the basics. Like that drawing that's what I'm saying. is key. Colors, that's what I'm saying. colors are key. Blends. Get back to. We're trying to like. I don't want to say this. Like you're over reinventing the wheel so much that you're making the product bad. Right. It's like not a wheel re- anymore. Yeah, reel it in a little bit. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I'm trying to do with this podcast is bitch about some stuff, shine some light on some stuff, get some input from other people and how they feel about things going on in the 18 industry. 18 years of aggression to get out in a one-hour <laughs> podcast. Oh, we're, we're, we're a little beyond <laughs> that, but we're going to wrap it up here in a minute yeah. anyway. But I just want to hear everybody's point of view and then put it all out there. Maybe it'll 
help. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll piss people. Maybe it'll make Who it worse. Knows? I don't. You know, it's you never whatever. know unless you try. Exactly. You only got to reach out there. that one person. Okay. That's it. I'll end on this on what you just said there, and we'll wrap things up. Um, I always wanted to, when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star so bad. I wanted to be like fucking Van Halen, shredding on guitar and everything like that. And I was very passionate about it. I obviously never became a rock star because you guys all suck for not making me a rock star. I know, right? But shame on you. I did inspire somebody with the amount of passion I had for that. And they, they, I mean, they didn't become disturbed or anything, but they went very, very, very far in the music industry. They toured the entire world. They've put out so many great albums. And they came to me, and they're way better guitarists than I am today. Way better. They are dope. And they're like, you're the reason why I wanted to play guitar and everything. I'm like, what? Why? I suck. <laughs> I suck compared to you. They're right. like, you just you just made it look so cool, and you got me into it. And thank you for that. And I I realized at that moment, like, you know, the the next generation, you just inspire that one person to do something great is all you really need to worry about. And that's really the best sensation ever. That's all I really want. Look at all my TikTok, my puppet, my felt like I want to just inspire someone. Yeah. I want to motivate someone. Maybe you you will, do that. will create the next Jim Henson. No, I will be the next Jim Henson. Someone I else can are. be the next Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Leave it to the next uh, you know, coked up guy or whatever Mr. Yeah. Rogers got in trouble for. A little bit everybody. But let's let's be hopeful for that. In the future, hopefully with both of our careers. Let's be hopeful and positive. After bitching. After bitching. Yeah, let's get it all that out first. So but then we're not still carrying have that. horrible taste in movies. On that note. Whatever. <laughs> you should you should really watch uh, Renfield. It's pretty good. Yeah, I need to. It's pretty good. But uh yeah, so thanks for coming and bitching about shit. It with was me. my pleasure. I will bitch anytime. How can everybody find you social media? Uh, if you climb to the tip of the top of the highest mountain and pick a rare blue flower, you take that blue flower to a monk, he will tell you. Awesome. I am on Instagram <laughs> at Jordan's Tattoons, and I am on Facebook at Jordan. And you can find me on Electric Chair. My last name yeah. is too long. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I wanted to open that can of worms just so people could just sit out there and like try to, okay, Everyone how do you spell that? Everyone listening on your phone, spell G-R-A-K-A-U-S-K-A-S. I'll put some links. Yeah. I'll put some fucking links and, and stuff. And TikTok is Jordy and Allie's place, all one word. That's for um, that's for the puppeteering. Puppeteering and stuff. I only care about that. Your tattoos suck. No, no I, agree. I agree. All right, man. Thanks for uh, coming and being on my stupid ass podcast. I still don't have a my name pleasure. for you. We'll figure it out. All right. Later, everyone. Keep listening. <laughs>